Why choose a Sleep Number smart bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number smart bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 smart bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number special edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. In terms of Disney dreams, you know, I I guess my biggest Disney dream is just to continue having the the honor and the privilege of voicing Mickey for as long as one, my voice will allow and two, the Disney company, you know, deems me worthy enough to to continue. I I I love it so much. Um and I I just want to, you know, know that. I am playing a part in in preserving the things that I hold so near and dear. Hello, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. I have a doctorate in psychology and am a licensed marriage and family therapist, a registered play therapist, university professor, writer, and mom of two. Each episode of the Parentologist Podcast focuses on a variety of topics related to parenting, family, children, and mental health. I'm glad you're here. On today's episode, I am so excited to have Brett Iwin on the show. He is an artist, voice actor, creator, and ultimate Disney fan. You may know him most as the fourth official voice of Mickey Mouse for the past 13 years. Hiya, Brett. Thanks for being on the show today. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. Or should I say, well, hiya, Kim. It's great to be here. I love it. I love it. Yes. No, I'm just so excited. I know we were talking a little bit before the show of one day my kids are going to think I'm the coolest mom ever for having the voice of Mickey Mouse on my podcast because, you know, as they're little, I mean, as I said to you before, as an adult, I go to Disneyland all the time. And when I'm in the parks and I see Mickey Mouse and I hear him speak, I instantaneously go back to my childhood and I, the magic is real. He is real through and through. But as an adult, I do know there is someone like yourself who, who voices, you know, certain things for him. (laughs) And, um, you know, my kids still believe in that they're little. And so they still really ultimately believe that, that Mickey Mouse is, is real, you know, through and through. Um, but one day when they grow up and they hear this episode, they are going to think I'm a pretty cool mom. So, (laughs) well, well, I'm, I'm happy to contribute to your cool mom points for sure. (laughs) But I, like I told you earlier, I think, you know, you, you need so much credit for having that mentality because you're preserving the magic yes you know that's what it's all about i mean you just you said it perfectly you go to the park and you become a little kid like i still do too the disneyland was you know 30 miles away but essentially my backyard and that's where the magic happened and when i go back there it's like i'm transported back to being a kid again exactly you know it's like as we get older and we become more insightful into the process of of creativity of of walt of disneyland of of all of that of course you you know that there's some there's some behind the scenes action going on and you know for me as a disney fan i just appreciate the glimpses of the behind the scenes like i love knowing the process or the the actors behind something or the directors or the writers but it doesn't take away from the magic and the ability to kind of put that aside and like fully immerse yourself in the magic of you know the finished product so yeah when you see mickey it's like it's mickey yeah. You know, I, I still watch the parades and I'm like, Mickey, I'm not thinking like, uh, and, you know, disclaimer, 
when I first started, yeah, of course I go to the parks and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's me. Like that's weird. <laughs> but now 13 years in, there's a, there's a nice healthy disconnect where I can truly just enjoy Mickey for being Mickey and uh, kind of put my role aside. So exactly, anyway. exactly. Well, that's awesome to hear. And, and like you said, there, there is so much magic behind Mickey Mouse. So my first question to you is, you're the voice of who might be the biggest icon in, in history. <laughs> everyone knows Mickey Mouse and everyone loves Mickey Mouse. What is that like? I mean, is there a lot of pressure behind that? I, I mean, how, what does that feel like on a regular basis? Or are you just used to it now? Or is it still kind of a dream come true when you wake up in the morning? Oh, gosh, definitely not used to it. I don't think I, I will ever say that. And, and you know, that's it's a great question. And it's a cre- question I've been asked since 2009 when I was first cast. And I, I never really knew how to answer it. And I'm not sure I st- have come up with a great answer for it. Um, you know, back then, I always used to say, you know, it, it felt surreal. It was still so extremely surreal that I was being asked to contribute to a character like Mickey. Like you said, he's he's an icon. He's 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 sacred. He's hollowed ground like he's he's Walt Disney's legacy. Um, and and, you know, I am so grateful that I went into this opportunity knowing that like I was a huge Walt fan above all else. And of course, sure. Mickey fell into that. So, yeah, talk about pressure. The pressure was there because I didn't want to uh, disappoint. I didn't want to, to play a part in 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 ruining the legacy or damaging it. Right. Um, you know, all I wanted to do was preserve it was to to honor it um, and to do the best thing I could could now we might get into it a little bit later but my experience in in voice acting in particular was very limited when i started and when i say limited it was zero other than auditioning to be mickey right. so there was a great learning curve that came with it so yeah i mean it's been 13 years of growing of learning um of kind of like cementing my relationship with mickey um as as i've gone along and and so with that has come a little bit more confidence a little bit more experience um, the pressure never quite goes away though, because like I said, it's, the stakes are high. This isn't just, oh, cool. I get to go talk silly and, and, and like, oh, how cool is it? I get to be on a TV show. Like the, the thought is always in the back of my mind that, um, I need to do this character and this legacy justice. So right. yeah, the pressure is there, but, but on the other hand, like we were saying earlier, being a kid at heart, of course, it's just, it's so cool. Like any yeah. chance I get to talk about it, it's, it's like, oh my gosh, that's cool. And I'm still struck so many times, whether it's a particular project or, or just meeting a fellow fan or, you know, just several moments in life where I go, oh my gosh, I am so lucky. I am so blessed. This is so amazing that I get to do this. Like, it's incredible. And it almost feels like, you know, why, why me? Right. <laughs> it's, it's just like, it's, it's, you know, when you, when I look back on my story and just, and I think about that little kid going to Disneyland, um, it's, it's surreal. It doesn't even capture how crazy it is that I've ended up here doing what I'm doing. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. Exactly. Well, let's um, let's go back a little bit in time here and talk about being a Disney fan at an early age. Again, both of us grew up in Southern California, and so Disneyland has been in both of our backyards. We have had annual passes and Magic Keys for you know as long as I can remember. My first job was at the Disney store as a cast member um, oh. when I graduated high school. So 
you know, Disney's in our blood, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. what are what are your some of your early Disney memories that you've had? Um, you know, whether it's at the parks or whatnot. You know, how did when did you first kind of know you were a Disney fan and and, and had Disney in your blood? Gosh, well. You know, one of my very early memories, um, I guess most of my early Disney memories center around um, animation. So whether that was feature animation or um, the classic cartoon shorts, I just grew up in a household where my parents, that's that's what they showed me all the time. Um, and even listened to my my parents had a lot of old record albums from their childhood that they gave to me. So I have very early memories of sitting with my play school record player and and listening to the soundtracks, you know, from Jungle Book, from Mary Poppins, um, from Pinocchio, um, Country Bear Jamboree, all of these great um, musical moments. Um, but then at the same time, I was growing up watching those uh, films and cartoons on VHS. One of my favorite things to do when I was a kid, um, and this kind of ties into the artist side of me, and I apologize if my dogs are barking. If you guys can hear that, I have two dogs that are oh, wanting to, want, desperately want to be on this podcast. So, yeah, I bet. Um, <laughs> their names are not Pluto. I I joke. <laughs> but, Do they have Disney names though? Do they have Disney related names? Um, these my my well, kind of. So, unfortunately, I had a, a chocolate lab who was. My baby, I had her for 14 years, and her name was Lily Bell. Um, so she was named after Walt Disney's Carrollwood Railroad um, locomotive, the Lily Bell. Yes. Um, and uh, but now I have a golden retriever named Dakota, which is just I thought was a, a fun adventure a name. name. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool name. Our newest uh, black Labrador is named Ollie. Um, and also cute. While not intentionally done to be a Disney tie-in, it kind of works with the Disney and train thing because Ollie Johnston, yes. being the, the Disney legend animator, uh, was also a huge train fan. So it kind of ties into Walt and his Lily Bell. And so now Ollie. There you um, go. And and we might get to it later, but I'm a huge train fan myself. So it yeah, all, I have it heard. All kind of I have heard. Um, <laughs> but where, where were we? See, I got totally distracted. I, I know. Um, I don't know. We were talking about your early childhood movies and animation and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I think what I was going to say is, you know, one of my favorite things to do as a kid, and I'm talking like, I mean, I was probably three, four, five. Um, my dad and my parents just were very creatively minded people, and they always encouraged that side of me. Um, so one of my favorite things to do is my dad would watch the cartoons with me, and we'd lay on the floor, and we'd pause the VHS, and we'd draw the characters together. Um, oh, you know, Humphrey the Bear, and, and Mickey Mouse, and Goofy, and Pluto, and Donald, and all those. Um, and it was just, it was one, such a, such a magical tender moment for a father and son to be doing something together. Um, but two, it really kind of taught me a lot of the fundamentals of, uh, drawing and specifically, you know, drawing in the Disney style in terms of constructing a character with shapes and lines and all of that. So anyway, that's just, it's one of those fond little memories I always think of just going way back. Um, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And I even love, I love going to um, Disney California Adventure. And I love going to the animation um, oh, yeah. building and going so in and do little art classes. And my kids love that too. It's just, it's fun. And there is a, there is a technique to it. You know, there is yeah. a little bit of a, of a technique. And I, I've seen some of your work um, online and, and you're, you're a good animator. You're a good oh. um, artist. I love it. Thank you. Um, we're going to we're going to go a little bit of a different direction. We're going to talk about Fantasmic, but we're just going to take oh, yeah. a, quick, a quick break before we do. 
Okay, so we have to talk about Fantasmic. It's coming back to Disneyland Resort <laughs> May 28th. Um, I couldn't be more excited. If, if anyone who's listening right now is a Disney fan like we are, I mean, this is just huge news. There's a lot coming back this spring. Um, but for you, Brett, I mean, I can't imagine this is this is kind of a dream come true for you for it to have it back in the park. So um, so how are you, how do you feel? Are you super excited about this? Oh yeah. I mean, when I saw the announcement, uh, what was it just a, a week or two ago, you know, I, I saw that they were announcing a new finale float on, um, for the Main Street Electrical Parade and it's yes. 50th. Um, and you know, like fireworks are coming back and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I'm reading down like, well, what about Phantasmic? What about Phantasmic? <laughs> when I saw that, I was so excited because, you know, and I, I've said it so many times, and I will say it again. Fantasmic to me is quintessential Disney park entertainment, live entertainment at its finest. Um, you know, there's no better way to round out your day at Disneyland th- uh, than by watching Fantasmic. You know, yes. seeing seeing Mickey, uh, you know, battle his imagination and ultimately triumph, good over evil, and it's just so magical. And you know, I got to voice mickey in the the latest um reiteration of it which came out gosh i've lost track of when that was now but a few years ago when they before the world stopped (laughs) before the world stopped yeah it's all it's all a blur but when they refreshed it um you know i was as as i do i got the the scheduling notice to to come into the studio to record and and the project title was phantasmic now that wasn't something new to me i had worked on a couple iterations of phantasmic for shanghai and um in Tokyo. And, uh, you know, ultimately I had done some work and then it was, it was redubbed or, or, or re-recorded in, in the dialect over there. So yeah, you know, I just kind of was like part of the process of getting it up and going, which is cool in, in itself. Exactly. Um, and, and so I kind of thought like, Oh, it must be something similar. Well, when they sent me the, the script ahead of time and I saw it was the iconic lines that I was all too familiar with. Um, kind of it was it was one of those weird moments where I was like I am so excited to do this but I don't want to touch it you know like right. this right because it was so iconic and that is one of Wayne Allwine's performances that is has resonated with so many people for so long um and I thought like am I worthy and 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 again kind of going back to what we talked about in the beginning am I going to mess this up I don't want to mess this up um right. And uh, ultimately went in and, and, you know, it's it's funny because whenever you work on a project, the directors who are there and the show writers always kind of want to give you a high level, like, here's what we're doing and, and this right. is what the project is. And so they're describing Fantasmic to me and I politely <laughs> listened, but I, but I eventually had to be like, I, I'm very familiar with the project, <laughs> right. um, you know, and they're like, we have we have samples of the audio today. And and I, I was, uh, you know, I went along with it because I wanted to, to try and match it as much as possible. But in my head, I'm thinking, I don't need the samples. Exactly. I know, I know what's going on. Hey, what's going on? Uh, oh, uh, you know, I love like, it. I love so, it. Uh, anyway, ultimately, we recorded it. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Um, and it was actually an emotional one, too. The I one bet. of the, the vocal directors and I, you know, teared up at one point. And she was, you know, I we can get into this maybe a little bit later, but I never got to meet Wayne Allwine, who I was ultimately auditioning to understudy with. Right. Um, but my my vocal director at that session, she knew him and worked with him for many years. And so it was just it was a very emotional thing to to kind of feel like we were preserving his legacy um, a bit and, and doing him justice. Exactly. Getting, you know, uh, making sure that we were matching his performances as as much as possible. But 
Absolutely. I have, a, I have a feeling you probably wanted me to talk about playing Fantasmic as a kid, and I just took this as a on a, a total tangent. <laughs> well, I do. I do. But so when it comes back May 28th, that is going to be your voice um, in the show. And is that the same yes. one that you recorded years ago, or are they having you do a, another redo for this for this now that it's coming back? No, I believe that's just the the same uh, version that was uh, okay. reintroduced, as it were, a couple of years ago. So, yeah, we're just as far as I know, it's just coming back. Yes. All right. Oh, well, that's amazing. And I I'm going to be there. So I cannot wait to see it. And I've seen, right. you know, now that TikTok and reels and all these things are like so, you know, prominent right now, there's so many TikToks out there of people doing the phantasmic Mickey moves, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, with, um, I even did one the other day. It's not going to be released yet. I did it with a couple of Disney mom friends, um, including oh. Caitlin, our friend Caitlin. So nice. that's, it's going to air in a little bit, but, um, <laughs> but we did, we did the whole, the whole thing with the arms in the air and you know, <laughs> the, the, the foot that kicks up and, the, you know, and we did all of it and it was really fun, but it's, it's, it's a phenomenon. Um, but you started it, you know, way back when, um, when you were a kid and you have a history of performing Fantasmic, as you said, when you were a kid, I think in your backyard with your brother. Is that right? Tell, yeah. us, tell us about that. Because now it's 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 huge. But you, started, <laughs> you kind of started the trend. So. Trend, trendsetters. That's what my mom always said we were. Uh, <laughs> right. Not. First of all, I'm a little bit um, <clears throat> sad that I didn't get an invitation to join you and Caitlin. <laughs> Um, we'll have to do another one. I mean, uh, full disclosure, I can't dance to save my life and choreography is not my strong suit. Um, but yeah, in terms of playing Fantasmic as a kid, you're right. It was my brother and I, it actually started in our bedroom um, and, and probably was a solo project. But for me, again, Fantasmic was so magical. And I I can remember the first time I saw Fantasmic. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and it was incredible because back then, especially Rivers of America was just this very unassuming location that you had been wandering through all day long on your way to Critter Country or the mansion right. um, between pirates and whatnot. And and then all of a sudden, these giant towers came out of the ground and and people started to gather. And then, you know, the lights dim and the the, the show starts and the sound starts and it's coming out of out of flower beds and rocks in the ground and and then Mickey appears and it was just like wait a second I have been watching and or looking at this place all day long <laughs> I, I was over on Tom Sawyer Island how is all of this magic coming out of everywhere like all, all around you right um and you know that tied with the the wonderful soundtrack um and and all the visuals and everything it just was awe-inspiring to me it so, is needless to say I would go home and you know Prior to the soundtrack being released back then, we had this compilation CD of like uh, Walt Disney World music. Oh, yeah. And I would actually take that CD and I use my dad's little like recording tape deck and I was making my own Fantasmic soundtracks, you know, taking um, <laughs> taking Sorcerer's <laughs> Apprentice music and mixing it with something from Epcot and like, you know, kind of like making something to, that to me sounded like it. Um, That's amazing. Because I was so enthralled with it. And then later on, you know... Um, the soundtrack did come out and it was on a visit to Disneyland. My dad had taken myself and my brothers and uh, you know, he was just typical tired parent at the end of the day after <laughs> his solo parenting it that day. Um, and uh, you know, I was like, I want to stay for Fantasmic. And he's like, you know, it's too late. We got to get home. But you know, we had passed, I think it was Mickey's star traders and we saw the soundtrack sitting on a rack. He goes, tell you what, I'm going to buy that soundtrack. And when we get home, you can listen to Fantasmic. Oh, and it was go. like, 
you know, it was it was a compromise. It wasn't the compromise I wanted, but I was like, (laughs) okay. And so I remember getting home and I couldn't wait. And we put it in the sound in his stereo and I listened to it and and it was amazing to listen to it. But I do remember this is so weird. I do remember being so kind of depressed about it. I was like, well, that's cool. But, you know, I'm not with everyone else listening to the fireworks and I'm not there seeing the visuals. Yeah. Anyway, I I went on to listen to that all the time. And I actually attribute that soundtrack to probably the start of me even attempting uh, character voices or or voiceover or or impressions because I was impersonating all the Disney characters in that performance. I was just, you know, essentially singing along with it, but there's not much to sing along with. You talk along with it. Um, And that's really where I started to do Mickey's voice. I remember one day, you know, is probably pre-puberty and and then maybe after it got better. <laughs> but I remember thinking like, oh, I can kind of hit that that tone of high pitched voice. You know, there was something something my ears were able to pick up on, um, and and so that's like I just started impersonating that, uh, and that's kind of how I I kind of began to even think about the idea of of sounding and talking like Mickey. So. Well, that you was might think question. you're so powerful, but uh, uh, this is my dream. I love it. I love stop. it. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, voiceover work to me is actually hard. I used to do um, back in the day, I had my first master's in TV broadcasting, and then I worked um, in the entertainment industry for for a couple years before, you know, going back and changing my career completely and getting my doctorate <laughs> and doing other things. But now with social media, I get to kind of marry the two, which is great. Yeah. But, um, but I used to do some voiceover work back in the day when I was doing some reporting work. Um, and it was hard and I didn't have to actually do a voice. I mean, I was just voicing a commercial for like a car dealership, but I remember, you know, being in the studio and, and recording and having to smile while I'm talking the whole time. So it looked like I was excited about the car I was trying to sell on in this commercial. And I remember them saying, you know, be more animated, you know, smile more and get more excited about when you talk. And I can't imagine how hard that felt versus you know, doing an entire character and doing an entirely different voice that's not like me. I was just talking maybe and smiling more. But sure. <laughs> when you you com- completely transform your voice. Um, and, you know, Mickey Mouse is, of, of course, is like, you know, the ultimate voice. But I mean, you you completely transform that. So when you started learning that you could you know, have this talent that you did start sounding like him. Is it something that you practiced a lot? Was it ever something you thought one day I'm going to be the voice of Mickey Mouse? I mean, did that thought even cross your mind? I can honestly say that the thought of one day I'm going to be never crossed my mind. I think I truly just approached it as I love Mickey. I love Disney. um, And I saw the reaction I'd get from people when I, you know, impersonated him. Right. And it was kind of it was kind of fun to watch people smile or or to compliment you and be like, hey, you know, that kind of sounds good. Um, it wasn't something I did a whole lot. But, you know, growing up, I started doing it in front of friends in high school just to kind of kind of beat them to the punch in a way. I, you know, it was well known that I was a Disney fan and, um, you know, not that I was being bullied for it, but, you know, at times I was called the Disney nerd. Right. Um, and, you know, like I kind of owned it by saying, OK, yeah, I'm a Disney nerd, you know. Oh, boy. Um, and, <laughs> and and make people laugh like oh, Brett, you're such a Disney nerd. And right. Um, and then later on, I actually went to school, college in Florida. I was two hours away from Disney World. And so one of the first things I did was buy an annual pass right, of I think before I bought any textbook or art supplies. And um, <laughs> I was I was up there all the time. And I had a group of friends who also had annual passes and we'd go up and yeah, you go into the park and 
oh boy, it's good to be here for everybody, isn't it? Um, you know, you can just talk <laughs> like Mickey, and and I'm not the only one who does that. There's plenty of people who still do that, right? Uh, every time they walk in the park. So that was kind of it. Um, and and I almost, you know, no, at, at, by no means, no shame to anyone who wants to pursue voiceover. That's a totally different thing. But I, I always said, you know, if I had been truly just pursuing being the voice of Mickey, I hope somebody would have said like, okay, that's cool, but you need to focus on other things. Like that's a very <laughs> specific goal that, you know, who knows how you even, how you even get there. And, um, you know, it, it it's, it's funny because you know, the way Disney works and the way they, they pride themselves in having <clears throat> one official voice for the character, you know, like uh, there's not, you never know when that opportunity to, to audition for a role like that is going to come up because sure. there's, they've got, they've got their person. Mickey's got their voice or his right. voice. And, and so, um, yeah, no, it was, it wasn't really on my radar. It, it truly wasn't, you know, working for Disney definitely was, that was a dream I had since I was, Again, going back to those early drawing days, you know, right. I wanted to work for Disney. I even had a moment when, like you said, growing up in Southern California in Pasadena, I was just, you know, what, 12 miles away from the Disney studio. And one day driving past it, I was like, Mom, I just really want to I want to work there someday. And she said, why don't you write a letter to the animation department and see if they'll hire you to sharpen pencils or serve coffee to <laughs> the animators? That's awesome. And I. I, I forget. I think I was seven or eight, maybe maybe ten um, when this happened. And but I wrote the letter. Um, Good and, for you. And uh, I did get a response. I got a response from somebody in the animation studios in Florida. Um, I wish I could remember their name because I I owe them so much. They they took the time to not only just send me a response, but a very thorough response outlining. Here's my recommendations for the books to read, the schools to go to, the daily habits of drawing oh, wow. and what to draw. You know, like somebody took the time out of their busy schedule to address this eight-year-old's dream right. of working for Disney. And, and it truly did set me on a path that ultimately landed me here. So, so was it a goal of mine to voice Mickey? No. Uh, was it a, a goal of mine to be a part of the magic of Disney? Absolutely. Right. So, so in that respect, I can say it truly is a dream come true. Right. Now let's, I have one quick question before we go on, because I, I really want to get to when you got that phone call and when you, you know, in 2009, when, when this actually, you know, t happened. Um, but we were talking about how we both have had annual passes for, for many years. It was the first <laughs> thing you did when you moved to Florida. So my question is, when you were the official voice of Mickey Mouse, do you get a, a unlimited passes to Disney parks for the rest <laughs> of your life now? I mean, or are you still buying your own annual pass? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I will say that Disney has been very gracious and kind to offer me, um, you know, what essentially is a main gate pass, uh, um, awesome. a complimentary main gate pass that you know, comes, <laughs> comes with its, you know, with its restrictions and whatnot. So it's, it's not by any means the ultimate magic key. Uh, <laughs> um, um, and, and, you know, I, I, I do at times, I have to buy my own tickets for the Oogie Boogie Bash and um, just went down to Disney World a couple months ago and had to buy tickets <laughs> for the parks for that. So, ah. so, you know, I'm not exempt from the, the rigmarole of, right. uh, of just, you know, the process of getting to enjoy the parks, but yeah, sure. they're, there have been plenty of opportunities. I'm not complaining by any means because yeah. there have been opportunities and 
and uh, and privileges extended to me at times that are very very generous. Of yeah. course, yes. No, Disney Disney takes care of, of of their own and you know their cast members, and I feel like they're they've always been really good about that. And even the cast member that wrote you back, um, you know, whenever I had a one of my I think it was my daughter lost. We had bought her a new Mickey Mouse kind of very small stuffed animal at the park years ago. She was just a little toddler, and she, about twenty minutes after she was in her stroller sitting in it, and she must have just dropped it on the ground. I didn't notice, oh, no. and she was crying and she was devastated and I didn't ha- I don't even know if I saved my receipt maybe I did I can't remember but I remember going back into the one of the stores in, in Disneyland and I said told him the story told her what happened and she didn't even flinch I remember her just getting a new one off the shelf and saying here you go and Amazing. it made my daughter's day and I'll just I'll never this was years ago but I'll never forget just and, and this happens all the time you know with Casper yeah. Park you know I mean yeah. just, Every, you know, whether they're writing an eight year old a letter, you know, who has a dream about being an animator one day, or, you know, you lose a stuffed animal in the park or your balloon pops or whatever, they're always just so good about making it right and making it better. Um, I have more stories about that, but just it, they've always been really good about that. So, oh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And and one tangent story for you, you know, when Disneyland was having its 50th anniversary, they had, I don't know if you remember, the Dream Squad that went around and oh, was just yeah. kind of like Matt. Magically making dreams come through, ran, uh, come true yes. throughout the day randomly. Um, and my brother and I happened to be there. We were, I think it was, I think it was this like 21st birthday, which, you know, who doesn't want to go to Disneyland on their 21st <laughs> birthday? Um, and we were just enjoying ourselves and we got approached and they gave us the ultimate fast pass, which was a, a lanyard with a bunch of tabs on it. It was a fast pass for every ride oh, in wow. the two parks. Um, and, you know, that's just like, that was that's amazing you know, yeah. to get those little magical moments with, which, yes, Disney and, and Disney parks in particular are so uh, well known for those magical moments, you know, yes. and, and it's, it takes a lot of hardworking cast members behind the scenes to make those dreams come true. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's talk, let's go back and let's talk about, you know, what it was like to get that phone call. Um, you know, how this all actually happened in the first place, sure. you know, and I know you have your story and uh, I've been fortunate to hear a little bit about it before, um, back in 2020, when we were at the Disney Crater <laughs> Celebration in Orlando together. When Way I first, back in 2020. I know, right. When I first met you, but it seems like so long ago, cause the world's it does opened back up again, and that was like it's our a blur. I, mean, I think that was like February, so I mean it was less than a month before everything shut down. So oh, it was it was, it was right before. It was yeah. right before. I remember we were we were kind of at that phase where because um, I was with my friend Ashley um, and our friend Ashley, I should say, and yeah. um, and we were like, are we are we hu- are people hugging? Are people handshaking? Like I don't I I don't know what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> it's it was, kind yeah. of funny to think about now, where it's like, oh, now we clearly know. <laughs> what was coming uh but right. yeah I, I i yeah i can't believe that happened and then just a few short weeks later it everything just completely you know yeah. stopped uh even obviously <laughs> the parks closed and then everyone knew it was like really real like when disneyland closed i think when, that's when people started really oh. taking it seriously of oh wow this is real <laughs> this is happening. You're, you're you're right it's it's a cultural icon right it's yeah. a barometer for society it's like yeah. no if one that... when schools closed i mean the kids yeah. were out basically <laughs> on spring break anyway and they're like oh an extra couple of weeks off awesome you know yeah. but then when disneyland closed it was like oh wait okay, this wait is mickey's closing the gate on. yeah yeah <laughs> Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, so it's been a while since I've heard your story, um, you know, when you shared it then. But, you know, if you could just, you know, take a minute to go back in time just to share, you know, what what that was like and how you ended up in this position. Of course. Well, so I ultimately um, 
again, not not pursuing being the voice of Mickey and not even pursuing acting or voice acting. Actually, I was pursuing art. Um, I had made a decision early on in life. I wanted to be a Disney animator and I wanted to be a 2D Disney animator. So that influenced, again, going back to that letter I got from the gentleman in Florida, um, I kind of was directed to what schools to go to and that influenced what program I chose. And I ended up going to Ringling College of Art and Design in Sarasota, Florida. I majored in illustration. Um, Disney traditional animation kind of closed its doors during that time. Um, so I shifted my gears and, and I started thinking about theme park design um, and, and toyed around with a few opportunities with Imagineering and internship and whatnot. But ultimately, I was offered a job with Hallmark Greeting Cards in Kansas City, Missouri. And that's oh, nice. where I started my career. I graduated in 2004. Um, I moved to Kansas City, Missouri, which I really knew nothing about other than Walt Disney also got his start there. Uh, so I was very excited to be in this like historic center. You know, Walt Walt often and fondly talks about growing up on the farm in, in Marceline, Missouri, but that was only a few years. He really was in Kansas City for most of his growing up years. Um, and uh, I was surrounded by those locations. And then he actually started um, his own animation studio there in Kansas City, just literally blocks away from where I was working at Hallmark. Oh, wow. Um, he, when he started the Laughograms studio. So really special place, full of history. And I'm a huge history geek, and, and especially when it comes to, to Disney history. So that was very special. Um, had a wonderful time there. Um, I was there for about five years. As creatives do, I was getting this little creative itch where I was thinking, what's next? This is great. I love it here, but what's next? And and always that that dream of getting to Disney, working for Disney, and, and getting back home to Southern California was always in the back of my mind. Um, sure. And so ironically, I just started looking at like DisneyCareers.com and seeing what was out there. Well, one random day, I'm at home, um, and this <laughs> brings up um, my, my, my pup, Lily Bell, again. Um, you yes. know, back then it was just Lily Bell and I, and we were, I had taken a day off. I was renovating my bathroom at home as one does. And, uh, <laughs> I was, you know, when it was just Lily and I, and I know I'm not the only one who does this. You talk to your dog in a different voice sometimes, right? It's, it's <laughs> like, oh, you're so cute, Lily. Oh, Lily. Oh, oh, my little Lily Bell. How are you, pal? And I, I, I thought to myself, oh, wow, that kind of sounded like Mickey. And, um, and I, I promise you, this is not fabricated. On that day when I was talking to Lily in Mickey's voice, I thought, wow, whoever has the job of being the voice of Mickey Mouse is so lucky. And now I was aware of Wayne Allwine. I had the, the beautiful Disney Treasures DVD box sets that had, um, you know, interviews with Wayne and Rusi, Bill Farmer, Tony and Selma. So I knew, wow. you know, these, these guys. It had been a while since I watched those interviews, but, um, you know, it kind of came to mind. Anyway. Day ends. I get. I'm getting in bed. I decide to check my email, see what I've missed, and I get this email that pops up, bling, and it says, "Do you want to be the voice of Mickey Mouse in the subject line?" <laughs> oh, wow! And I'm thinking to myself, "What?" And then I thought before reading it, I'm like, "Okay, my friends came by at lunch. I didn't know they heard me talking to Lily, and this is some practical joke to make fun of me once again for talking <laughs> right. like Mickey Mouse." Right. So I go to read down the body of the email. And what it is, is an email that my friend, Jamie, who's an animator at Pixar, uh, we went to art school together. She okay. had forwarded me this internal email that was circulated within the studios, um, outlining the audition process to audition for the understudy, to be the understudy um, to Wayne Allwine. 
And it, it, it kind of explained that Wayne had been doing it for 32 years um, because of some health difficulties at the time. They were looking for someone to start training with him um, so he could kind of pass on that baton. And uh, it out- outlined the, uh, a very short script. Um, and then it had an MP3 attached, which was a sampling of those lines because it wanted a voice match. They wanted you to do your best impression of Mickey. Which And, and the lines were, um, you know, samplings of Walt's Mickey. Right. Um, stuff from Brave Little Taylor, um, Society Dog Show. He's a mighty fine dog, sir. And he's smart, too. Um, and all the way up to like... Um, the Three Musketeers with Mickey um, okay. and, uh, of course, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Hey, everybody, it's me, Mickey Mouse. You want to come inside my clubhouse? Well, all right. Uh, and so I, I I, listen, you know, it outlined that you listen to those. You you, you just submit your audition by calling a hotline. So I, I, I did not hesitate to to, quote unquote, practice, which was basically if you know me, you know, I'm somewhat impatient. I like to think of it as a virtue. It helps me creatively. But I, you know, the, the email said, oh, take your time, practice and then call us and give us your, like the audition line were open for, I don't know, maybe three or four months. Well, I waited like three or four days. I was not going <laughs> to wait. I was so excited. Called in, left my audition. I'm sure I was talking a mile a minute. Hi, this is Brett. And uh, and and this is my audition. Here's my phone number. Call me back. And uh, then it was a waiting game and a, and a horrible oh, waiting that's game. The worst. It's the worst. Um, so, you know, I was just going, trying to resume normal operation, going back into my job at Hallmark and, and all the, all the while thinking like, what's going on with that audition process? And like, did they hear me? Was I good? What? Uh? Um, you know, I tried to console myself by saying, at least you audition. Like, that's so cool to say yeah. you auditioned for this. Right. Of course. Um, well, about a month went by and then I did get a phone call and, and it was a, an 818 area code, which I knew was L.A. and yep. um, answered it. And it was someone from the studio and they said, we got your audition. We really loved it. We're doing callback auditions. Would you like to come in? And I said, absolutely. Um, they're like, OK, well, are you in L.A. or are you in San Francisco at Pixar? And I had to divulge that I was actually across the country <laughs> in Kansas City, Missouri. Right. Which <laughs> I could hear the hesitation in their voice. And they're like, oh, uh, uh, we'll get back to you. Right. I thought I'd blown it, but they uh, were very, um, very encouraging the next day by sending me an email and saying, look, here's the deal. We we can't guarantee anything. We're doing this is callback auditions. And ultimately, we need someone who lives in L.A. But, you know, it's an amazing opportunity. If you'd like to fly yourself out an audition uh, with, you know, the consideration that if you were to get this, you'd need to move, then we welcome your your you know attendance. And of course, I, I bought a ticket. I flew myself out there. I did the callback audition, which was, you know, kind of seeing how well I took direction, how well I handled cold reads. Now, this was my first time in a recording booth. I'd never oh, been in wow. front of a, a, a microphone other than like my friend's college radio show right. that he did. I, I think I stepped in and guest DJed one day when he couldn't. And and I can't say that it was anything spectacular. <laughs> but um, this was, I mean... Talk, talk again going this back to that recording studio <laughs> this is this is disney character voices this is where they record everything and i am in the booth where mickey mouse records um and i'm being directed by these amazing creative people who who do this all the time and oh it was so intimidating it's so cool and i mean honestly it like went by in a flash i hardly remember anything of it well let's see then you know a month or two go by again anxiety ridden checking you know googling every day like what's going on voice mickey mouse auditions like seeing if anyone's talking about it well one day uh, you know a headline popped up and and it was 
um, heart wrenching. It was the announcement that Wayne Allman had passed away. Yeah. Um, and and so, you know, then I knew at that point, this whole process had changed. It was no longer looking for an understudy. They were going to have to make a very difficult decision and find someone to kind of step into those those shoes. And uh, it wasn't too long after that that I got the phone call and they you know, said, I'm sure you've heard. And and understandably, they were all devastated because, again, these this is a, a family like Disney character voices is not a very big department at Disney. It's a it's a smaller department. Everyone works very closely with one another. And and you as you do, you just develop relationships with these people. And so they had essentially lost a family member and then were tasked with the responsibility of finding someone to come in and, and replace them, which was, you know, when you think about it that way, it's awful. Um, yeah. But um you know, they explained to me that there were projects that have been put on hold and some upcoming projects that they needed to record for Mickey. And, and so the idea was they would, we would be doing a trial basis kind of thing. Like, would, would I come out? Would I record these projects? And we'll just see how things go. You know, nothing, nothing official, nothing offered to me at that point. Um, but of course, I won. The opportunity was incredible. Um, so I, I was, I was excited to accept the adventure um, and the challenge. And, and so I did. I was essentially commuting from Kansas City out to L.A. every couple of weeks and was working on projects. I think, um, you know, one of my first things was a, a little cavalcade for Animal Kingdom, followed by a Disney on Ice, a couple of Disney on Ice shows. And, um, you know, it was my my second trip out there was a, a multi-day project. And I think it was the second day that they pulled me into the green room. And they that's that's the moment they sat me down. They said, we're really happy with everything you're doing would you like to be the voice of Mickey Mouse? Because we'd like to have you. And, and yeah, that was, <laughs> that's one of those, one of those moments in life that doesn't come very often. Um, and Amazing. I just remember kind of being numb, numb with excitement. And, you know, it's like, it was exciting. But at that same moment, I thought of all the ways my life was going to have to change. I was going to have to quit my, my job, my salaried profession and, and move to LA to, to jump in headfirst to this career that I truly knew nothing about other than knowing Mickey. Um, but that's, you know, long story short or, or longer, I should say long story longer. <laughs> that's what I did. I, I eventually moved myself out to LA and, and, you know, it was slow going at the start, but things ramped up and 13 years later, here I am still voicing Mickey, you know, um, you know, almost every week of the year, there's a new project to work on for Mickey. You know, people often think about think about TV shows as being the one thing or maybe the, the theme parks. But there are so many other little projects sprinkled in that I work throughout the year. There's no month. There's hardly a week goes by that I don't have some Mickey project to work on. So I bet. Well, there's there's toys, Um, you know, uh, there's the parades, video games. I mean, you name it. There's obviously a lot that you do. Um, well, what an amazing story. I mean, just the, the whole process, um, obviously very surreal, a dream come true. I yeah. know we're almost out of time. I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear this, this entire <laughs> interview because it's just, um, it's just, it's such a, just a beautiful story, but, um, we're almost out of time, but I do have one more last question. Uh, yeah. you know, what do you do outside the voice of Mickey Mouse? You know, these, um, what do you do in your spare time? If you have spare time, obviously you do this you know, a lot, you know, this is your, your main job, but, um, but what, what else do you do? And if you have any other Disney dreams, um, you know, that you're looking forward to in the future? Sure. Well, I love spare time. First of all, it, you know, I, 
people say I don't know how to sit down. Um, <laughs> like they because I to me, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't uh, like I like to relax, but I don't necessarily think my relaxation is the same as other people's. You know, like sitting on a beach doing nothing for days on end is appealing to me for the first hour, and then I'm like, okay, where can we go explore? Where can we hike? Where can exactly. we exactly? Um, so yeah, for my free time, I. I, again, I feel so lucky to have such a full life where I've been able to explore so many different creative outlets. Um, I still do my artwork. I'm still doing lots of illustration and design and graphic design. And, and I actually started my own business uh, back in 2015 called Bungalow Modern, where I do just that. I consult on different you know, home design projects or logo design projects or um, all kinds of different creative consulting in, in that realm. And and through that, I discovered a, a real love of restoration. Again, I love history. Um, I love preserving history. And so I've discovered a love of preserving that history by restoring antiques, whether that's, um, you know, something as simple as a piece of furniture or a 1900 chuck wagon that's sitting in my driveway right now that somebody was <laughs> going to throw away because it was completely rotten and falling apart. And I rebuilt it and and I've themed it up. Um uh, and that's amazing. Much, sometimes to my husband's chagrin, he's like, what, what is, what is this thing doing in the driveway? But it's, <laughs> you know, I get to play cowboy with it. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So I, I love that stuff. I just recently, um, started a, a new project, uh, restoring a steam locomotive that, um, this amazing family has entrusted me with, uh, its care and, and preservation of. So, yeah, I, I, I love all that restoration. And then again, with the, the, the train thing, you know, I, took a job at you. I know you're familiar with it. Knott's Berry Farm. A couple yep. years ago, I just really wanted the experience of driving and operating and maintaining real live steam locomotives. And that was the most accessible place for me to do that. Found out they were hiring. Um, I took a shot, submitted my application and I got a job. And so for wow, about a year amazing. and a half, I worked on the Knott's Berry Farm Railroad um, and, and, you know, doing all the nitty gritty and all the fun stuff as well. But, um, you know, then my schedule got too busy and I unfortunately had to leave, but I amazing experience and I learned so much. Um, so yeah, I, I, what do I do in my spare time? I do just about everything. <laughs> I love, I love it all. I love building. I love drawing. I love creating. I love traveling. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I, I just love being active and exploring and learning constantly. Um, so that's, that's my spare time in terms of Disney dreams. You know, I, I guess my biggest Disney dream is just to continue having the the honor and the privilege of voicing Mickey for as long as one, my voice will allow and two, the Disney company, you know, deems me worthy enough to to continue. I I I love it so much. Um and I I just want to, you know, know that. I am playing a part in in preserving the things that I hold so near and dear um, in my heart reg with regards to Mickey or or Walt and and the magic of the Disney Company. You know, to play even the smallest part of that, and I, I truly do think you know Mickey is Mickey is phenomenal, and like you said, he's an icon. Um, I heard Wayne Allwine say one time, you know, Mickey's the celebrity; he's not. Um, and I completely agree with that. You know, like Mickey is the celebrity. I am a very minuscule part of a bunch of people who contribute to making Mickey who he is. Um, but but even playing the smallest part is so it's such a privilege, such an honor to me, um, especially knowing that Walt Disney was the one who started this this part of the, you know, the magic. He was the first voice in Mickey. And so getting to connect with Walt on that level, that's that's pretty phenomenal. But 
It really yeah. is. I mean, just the the parallels that you've had with Walt, you know, with, you know, Kansas City and voicing Mickey and I mean, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's just what what an amazing uh, story of that legacy and just coming full 360 or full circle when it comes to Fantasmic, <laughs> you know, of yeah. where you started with the CD and, you know, playing it in your own bedroom and then, you know, now voicing it, um, you know, it, it, with the show and just now it's coming back. And that's really exciting um yeah it's just it's it's amazing it's amazing so you do an amazing job at it so um you you know again such an honor to talk to you today and just have you share your story um thank you so much um and i definitely think that you me uh and whoever else can join us um should meet up at the parks one of these days and 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 hang out and and all that good stuff so Definitely. I think a corn dog is in our future. <laughs> I do too. Well, <laughs> thanks, Brett, again for um, taking the time to share your story today. And we'll see you real soon. See you real soon, everybody. So long. Thank you for joining us today. I can't wait to have you back for more. Make sure to subscribe to the Parentologist podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure to tell your friends. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.